John chapter 4. We have been walking through this great book on Sunday mornings. And I know that God has something great in store for us today. I hesitate to say this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because my wife, as I said earlier, says I say that all of the time about every story I read. But when you have God's Word in your hands, all of it should be your favorite book. Isn't that true? And so we have an opportunity to look at one of the great stories that is found in the Gospel of John. And I believe that John has a powerful message that he wants to convey to us through God's Word this morning. You know, in my time in the ministry, I've had the opportunity to counsel, or to counsel with a number of different people. And on more, than one of the, more, on, on more than one occasion, at the end of those sessions, I've had someone look at me and ask me this question. Is there hope for me? In the midst of my challenging circumstance, is there truly hope for me, Brother Jeff? I don't know if you've ever found yourself at that point in life, but I can share with you on more than one occasion, I have found myself at that point wondering, was there hope in the midst of the difficulties that I found myself in? Is there really hope for the person that has gone through a number of marriages and finds themselves in the midst of another divorce? Is there hope for the person who has suicidal thoughts? Is there hope for the person who finds himself in an adulterous affair? Is there hope for the person who has struggled with a lifetime of addiction? Is there hope for the person that is struggling with gender identity? Or they find themselves in a homosexual or a lesbian lifestyle? Is there hope for that person? Is there hope? Well, in the story that we're going to look at this morning, a story about a woman whose life seemed to be utterly hopeless, she is going to find hope in the midst of challenging circumstances. I mean, after all, she had been married five times and the man she was living with now wasn't even her husband. She had gone through one relationship after another looking for love but failing to find it. Her story gives a whole new meaning to that old song that was sung, Looking for Love in All of the Wrong Places. Really, that defined her life. However, one afternoon, she would meet a man who would utterly change her life. You and I know that man as Jesus Christ. And we know her story as the woman at the well. So if you have your Bibles there, open them. If you've not already opened them to John, the fourth chapter. And in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in chapter or in verse 7 of chapter 4. 
But as you're looking for your place there, let me share with you just a little bit of the context or the setting of this story so we'll understand where it is that John is writing from. The Pharisees have learned that Jesus Christ's ministry has become quite successful. As a matter of fact, in the opening verse here, that's exactly what John records for us. That Jesus Christ was now baptizing more people than John the, Baptist, John the Baptist was baptizing. Whereas really, Jesus wasn't baptizing anyone at all. It was his apostles who were doing the baptizing. Jesus has gathered a following, and the religious leaders of his day and time have become very concerned. However, rather than coming to conflict with the Pharisees, Jesus Christ chooses to depart. Jesus chooses to return to Galilee, his home region. In order to travel to Galilee, the most direct route went through the region of Samaria. Jesus and his apostles stop at a well outside the town of Sychar. Jesus sends his apostles into the town to get food. Little do they know, Jesus has a divine appointment with a woman at a well. Can you imagine what Jesus' apostles would have said if they would have remained at the well with him that day? We know what they're thinking because later on in the story they're going to return, but none of them have the courage to voice what they're thinking in their hearts and in their minds. But Jesus Christ is reclining by the well when this woman comes out at midday and this conversation is going to ensue between him and this woman. And I believe it is through this story that Jesus Christ is going to teach us three very important truths about the hope that He desires to offer to all people. Follow along with me as I read this story that begins in verse 7. Verse 7, chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. Listen to what He says here. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? So do you see what's happening here in this story? This woman is caught by surprise that Jesus Christ would even stop and ask her for a drink. There are many cultural implications that take place in this story. We've all heard that old saying before, three strikes and you're out. Well, I will tell you that was true of this woman's life. First of all, the first strike against her is she was a woman. In the first century, women were second-class citizens. They were possessions to be owned. Second, there was a second strike against her. She was not just a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. The Jews considered all Samaritans to be unclean. 
They were half-breeds. They were part Jews and part Assyrians. No Jewish man in his right mind would have ever taken the time to stop and have had a conversation with this woman. She is shocked. Now, if that's not bad enough, this woman has a third strike against her as well. Not only is she just a woman, not only is she just a Samaritan woman, she is a Samaritan woman of ill repute. She was immoral. She had had five husbands, and now the man she was living with was not even her husband. No Jewish man in his right mind would have ever spoken to this woman. They would have thirsted to death before they would have ever asked this woman to draw water from a well for her. But Jesus Christ, through his actions, sends a very important message to this woman. Through his actions, Jesus Christ is saying to her, I love you. And I accept you. You are a person of intrinsic value to me and to God's kingdom. Can I say something to you this morning? I don't know how messed up your life may be, but can I say this? No matter what you have done in life, you're a person of worth and value to Jesus Christ. He loves you, and that is one of the clear teachings of God's Word. And more than anything else, God wants you to know that in Christ Jesus, He loves you and He offers you hope in the same way that He offered to this lady. I want you to listen to the rest of this story. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Have you ever noticed in Scripture how many times the things that Jesus Christ are talking about simply goes over the head of the people that he is speaking to? Think about it for a moment. He just shared what, or just told a man in the last chapter, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Nicodemus looked at Jesus Christ and he said to him, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? Here Jesus Christ says, if you only knew who it was that was speaking to you, I would give you water that would quench your thirst forever. She's like, oh, are you greater than my, our forefather Jacob? Where do you get this living water from? She completely misses what it is that Jesus Christ is offering her. And I wonder sometimes if we are not a lot like this lady, that Jesus Christ wants to give us something in life, but we are unprepared spiritually to receive what it is that God wants to offer us. We want God to speak to us. We want God to bless us. We want God to have His way in our life. But in order to do that, we must have spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, and a heart that is willing to receive what it is that God wants to offer to us. But oftentimes, we just brush it to the side. We completely miss how it is that God wants to work in and through our lives in the same way that this woman missed exactly what it was that Jesus Christ was saying. Do you see that here? Do you hear that in this text? 
she completely missed what it was that Jesus Christ wanted to do in her life. Now, this is the good news, though. This is the great news. Jesus doesn't give up. Do you notice that here? He's not done, is he? You know what Jesus is going to do out of his grace and his mercy? Now he's going to bring explanation to exactly what it is that he's talking about. She can't understand the spiritual things that he is offering her. So what he is going to do now is he is going to further explain it so that her spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, her heart will be open to the message that he wants her to receive. You see, we can't fully understand spiritual things unless first God opens our hearts, our minds, and our ears to receive the spiritual things He wants to give to us. It is utterly impossible. So clear in this story. Do you see it here? Do you hear it in the words of Jesus Christ? Let's go back. Listen to what Jesus Christ says. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. She still doesn't get it. Do you see that? Now listen to what Jesus Christ says. Now I love this right here. Because what Jesus is going to do next is so contradictory in the world in which we live in. You know what Jesus is getting ready to do right now? Confront her in her sinfulness. We don't like that, do we? Because what the world says is Jesus is love, and the only thing that we need to do in the church is preach Jesus is love. And I'm not saying Jesus Christ is not love. But I will tell you this, when Jesus comes to us, He always starts by putting His finger on the sin in our life and dealing with it first because we can never ever receive the message He wants us to hear until we deal with our sins. It is utterly impossible. Listen to what He says here. Verse 8, I mean verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, that seems kind of like an innocuous kind of statement there. But trust me, Jesus is getting to the point, isn't he? He's getting to the heart of the matter in this story. Listen to what he's going, the woman says, The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Any gospel message that does not confront people in their sinfulness is a false gospel message. That is the truth of God's Word. Now, I will say this to you very clear. As God's people, we should love a lost and dying world. 
We should be willing to accept people no matter who they are, no matter what their lifestyle may be. I am convinced when God's church truly loves people like Christ loved people and are willing to accept people for who they truly are, you'll have to knock out the walls of the church house to put all of the people in it. At the same time, we should never, ever, ever approve of people's lifestyles. We need to be very clear from God's Word about where God draws the line, where the boundaries are, and what God calls sin. We should not be ashamed to call sin if that's what God says it is in His Word. We should do that. Now, I realize in the world in which we live in, that is a challenging road to walk, isn't it? It is. And how do we balance the two? Well, I think we always must be looking toward Jesus Christ as the example of how to balance love acceptance with approving. We must always do that. But we always must be very clear with the gospel message. Until a person is confronted in their sinfulness, they can never fully understand a need for a Savior. That's the truth. It is only as we come to understand our sinful condition that we are depraved in our very nature that we can come to understand all that Jesus Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary. We must always start there. We must always start with the bad news. But once we have dealt with the bad news, we must always hurriedly get to the good news. Isn't that true? Yes. Jesus Christ came to offer good news to a lost and dying world. And in this story, when he confronts this woman, he offers her life that will truly satisfy. Do you get that here? She's searching in relationships to find satisfaction in life. She is very much like the culture we live in today. People are searching everywhere for satisfaction, to find true satisfaction in life. And they search in many different things. Some people search in money and drugs and materialism. Some people search in relationships. Some people search in thrill-seeking. They think those things are going to bring a sense of purpose and satisfaction in their life, only to realize at the end of the day, they are still just as dissatisfied with life as they were at the beginning of the day. Because you will never, ever find life in dead things. You won't. You can search, and you can search, And at the end of the day, you will still be empty on the inside. Quickly this morning, let me offer you three truths that Jesus Christ teaches us about the hope that he offers in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus Christ knows about our failures. There is nothing nothing that ever catches him by surprise in our life. That was so true in this story with this woman. Isn't that right? Jesus Christ knew this woman's life. He knew her heart better than she knew herself. The first truth that we clearly see presented to us in this story is this. Jesus knows about our failures. 
When you look at this woman's life, it was evident in her relationships that she was seriously messed up. Five husbands and now living with a man that was not her husband. But can I remind you of something this morning? Every single one of us are messed up. We live in a world that is messed up, full of messed up people. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who were messed up. Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife two different times in Scripture. Moses murdered a man. Isaac blessed the wrong son. Jacob was a deceiver and stole his brother's birthright. King David, a man after God's own heart, had an affair with his neighbor's wife. And if that wasn't enough, then he had him killed. In the New Testament, do you think those people were any less messed up? Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. The twelve forsook Jesus Christ in his greatest hour of need. Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts come to fisticuffs over whether or not to take John Mark on the second missionary journey. And do you know what happens? They never work again for the furthering of God's kingdom. They never work again together to further God's kingdom. They work individually separately. Do you get my point? One of the clear truths of God's word is this. Jesus knows about our failures. That brings us to truth number two. Now here is good news. Here is hope. Jesus loves you in spite of your failures. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Because when I look at my own life and I examine it, I can understand, man, I have failed the Lord. I have been a messed up individual. And in spite of all of that, God still loves me. That is the great truth of God's Word. By, ver- by, the, by the very fact that Jesus is having this conversation with this woman at the well shows that He loves and accepts her. That she is a person of intrinsic value. Listen to what it says here in verse 7, 8, and 9. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Do you hear the shock in this woman's statement? She is blown away by the fact that Jesus Christ would even stop to speak to her. We live in a world when it comes to love and acceptance. Our world says you have to look a certain way or act a certain way and you will be loved. Our culture teaches us that love is something that must be earned. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, that is not true. Jesus Christ loves us unconditionally, no matter what. He loves us. Jesus Christ loves you and me in spite of all of our shortcomings in our life. That brings us to truth number three. Here it is. This is hope. Jesus offers forgiveness for our failures. Jesus offers forgiveness for our failures. In the time of raising children, I've often 
told my children that the Christian life is not being perfect. The Christian life, living the Christian life, means that you are forgiven. And that is so true of the woman in this story. Jesus offered this woman something she could never find in a relationship with a man. He offered her life that would satisfy. That's what Jesus offered her. That's the hope that Jesus offers every single person. He offers life abundantly. Life that will fill a person's deepest longing. Life to the fullest. That is what this woman found that day when she went to the well and she met Jesus Christ. She found life abundantly. Listen to me carefully this morning. I don't know everything that is going on in your life. I don't know what kind of struggles you're having. I don't know your heart. I don't know all of your mess-ups. I don't know the number of times you've come up short in your relationship with the Lord. But I will tell you this this morning. There is one who knows. And his name is Jesus Christ. And when we come to his throne in humility, he offers us grace, humility. He offers us mercy and he offers us forgiveness in the same way that this woman experienced forgiveness in her life. Now, in order for that to happen in your life, there's three things that must take place. First, you have to admit it. Did you hear this woman in this story? What I notice about this woman in this story, she never once tries to justify her sinfulness to God, to Jesus Christ. She never says, well, Jesus, you don't understand my story. Well, Jesus, you don't know about that other person. If they hadn't treated me this way, I wouldn't have responded in the way that it's never there. Do you know what Jesus does? I mean, you know what the woman does? She simply looks at Jesus Christ and she says, you are right. Everything you've said, Jesus, is right. I have no husband. And the man that I'm living with now is not my husband. To experience the hope that Jesus Christ offers starts by admitting that you have sinned against a holy God. You must be willing to acknowledge before Him, God, I recognize that I have sinned against you because I am a sinner. I have come up short in my relationship with you. Number two, you'll have to quit it. In other words, you'll have to repent of the way that you're living. It was true in this story. There was a complete change of direction in this lady's life. Look with me at verse 39. Listen to what it says. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now think about this for a moment. It wasn't as though Sakar was a booming metropolis with millions of people living in this city. 
This was a small town, and there is no doubt in this town, this woman was the talk of the town. Everyone knew what was going on in her life. They knew that she had been married five times. They knew that she was living in adultery. But when it came, when she went back to the town, did you hear what they said in this story? It says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They recognized that this woman had been changed. Did you see that? They saw it. When they beheld her, it was like, oh my goodness, who is this woman standing before us? Let me just quickly add this right here. Genuine salvation always leads to a change of life, or it's not genuine salvation. Can we just be honest about that according to what Scripture teaches? Regeneration, born again, a new creation, all of that speaks of change, every bit of it. Number three, you will have to believe. You'll have to admit it. You'll have to quit it. You'll have to believe. Now listen to what he says here, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I had ever done or I ever did. So when the, the Samaritan came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. And many more believed because of his words. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed, now get it, the Savior of the world. Did you get that there? Three times in those verses, believed. They believed. Now, now listen to me what they didn't say. They didn't join the local church. I'm not saying that's unimportant. They didn't say, well, we got baptized. They didn't say, well, I accepted some teachings about Jesus Christ. They believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. They trusted that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. Do you see that here in this text? It's not a mental assent to some facts that they're holding to here. They threw the full weight of their life upon Jesus Christ, believing He is the only one who could save them from their sins. So clear in Scripture. You will have to believe. Paul said it this way, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus offers forgiveness for our failures. Now listen to me very carefully though. We don't get to determine the terms by which we choose to come to Jesus Christ. You see, there's a lot of people that want to determine that in the world in which we live in today. They want to determine the terms by which they get to come to Christ. And Jesus says, no, you don't get to determine that. My Father in heaven has determined that, not you. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you must believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you will be saved. You see, there's a lot of people in our world today who want to come to God on their own terms. 
But there's only one way to come to Jesus Christ, and that's by faith. You must be willing to admit that you're a sinner. You must be willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, trusting and believing when he died on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for my sin. There is nothing good in me. There is no hope apart from him. He is the only hope of the world. You see, hope is not found in changing our circumstances here in the world. Hope is found in looking to Jesus Christ and trusting in Him. And then He will guide us and direct us in how to deal with the challenging circumstances of our life. Is there hope for me? Well, I can say this this morning. There is hope for you if you look to Jesus Christ, if you look up. Let's pray.